is the Master Thursday afternoon with Andy Muir, catching up with Nathan Nelson from Dairy on Dairy and Z, who are on the program every Thursday. Good afternoon, Nathan. How are you? G'day, Andy. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. As you guys are on board every Thursday here on the Master, um, how's how are you finding things out there at the moment? Yeah, it's cracker week of weather, isn't it? So we'll enjoy it while we've got it, and still a bit of bit of heat and bit of temperature. So, um, yep, definitely needed. Yeah, everybody's appreciating the conditions that we've got on farm at the moment, um, especially as we look into the uh, winter months as well in regard to heifers. Yeah, look, that's right. I think, yeah, it's probably just worthwhile time touching on those with everyone's situations different. Some obviously self-contained or got them at their own sort of support block. Others are using graziers. Um, some are obviously moving around with that May to May grazing just pre-winter. But, look, the message is the same regardless of where they're located or what your setup is and Really, it's just a matter of looking at, ideally, you have a live weight um, as far as being subjective, sorry, objective around what they're actually looking like. Mostly, we've got a bit of a good eye and, and can tell whether a heifer's well grown or not, but um, sometimes even that can be a little bit deceiving. So, obviously, gold standard, if you can, is to get them over the weight, uh, get them over the weight scales and just check those live weights. And I think it's probably it's things that we know, but it's just worthwhile. Um, probably pausing and realising what's at stake as far as quantifying it goes. And, and we know from, from research time and time again, um, yeah, well-grown heifer, um, I guess what's at stake is next year's production uh, once they come into the herd and, and a well-grown heifer um, reaching their target live weight on average will produce up to 10 kilos more. Looks all as um, a heifer uh, has 5% better six-weekend calf rate and sort of 2% uh, lower empty rate. So I guess it's really just trying to yeah, reduce that wastage and also um, the more productive that they are and that really comes down to their live weight. So look, I suppose what we're focusing on, if you have got um, a, a mob of heifers or a, or a line of heifers, then no doubt there'll be a range um, as far as live weight goes or what we're really probably concerned about or most interested in is that tail end if they're not quite at live weight and what our options are to manage them. So yeah, we are limited, but there are still a few things that can be done. Um, it just requires a little bit more management, I suppose, or being proactive. And so that looks like maybe smaller mob sizes just to try and reduce that competition. Um, ideally, if you could, you actually take those bottom 10% or 15% out and, and maybe run them in a separate mob or run them in their own mob just so they get that preferential treatment. Um, maybe some setups. You know, if they've got palm kernel trolleys or even a trailer or something of feed pins, you know, as palm kernel or even a palm kernel VDG mix an option for them um, if they really needed it a little bit of boost pre-winter. Um, and look, if none of those options are, are on the table, then it's just been prepared come winter to maybe winter them separately or have a look at your food budgets once you've done them and prioritise that um, feed intake to those heifers that are maybe just struggling a little bit or, or, or needing a little bit more live weight. Um, and in yeah, particular, um, the protein requirement for them to put that live weight on. It's like any mob of animals, Nathan. If you're ever near the yards with them, it almost might pay just to chuck them in there for the sake of whatever time it takes to get the bottom end out because they'll pay you back twofold if you treat them better. Yeah, that's right. And look, it's you know it's, it's doing what you practically can do, um, realising that, you know, I guess what time's always... Time's always of the essence and, you know, what we can do about it now and, and what feed or what options we've got, but it's sort of prioritising them and, and just thinking uh, probably what we said earlier in the conversation, you know, what's at stake if we don't, um, you know, don't get close or, or certainly do what we can to try and get them at those target live weights. And, um, 
yeah, I think it's just taking a proactive approach to it and thinking about, right, what can we do for that month of May? And then obviously the other thing we've got to be wary of, again, look, it just depends on people's wintering situation, but certainly if those heifers or young stock were then, um, you know, going on to a winter crop or sort of a fodder crop then, um, transitioning them properly and just taking time to get them adjusted to that new feed or that new diet that they're going on to, um, yeah, just to sort of introduce that, that new crop slowly so that the rumen microbes get used to digesting that feed and they don't go through a, you know, sort of a week or 10 day check then just getting used to a new diet or going on to a new crop. Because that's the next question I had as well, well not question but statement I suppose, is uh, we are in May, we are looking at winter grazing or winter feeding programs and transitioning a crop's going to be the next thing. Yeah, look, and that's right. I mean, I, I wouldn't have yeah, sort of hard stats on hand, if you like, but um, we probably have seen a, a bit of a movement or preference um, for some, at least anyway, to, to, to that more grass baleage um, type system for particularly young stock. But look, there'll still be a range of them going on to um, to chow or, or fodder bed. And, and look, I guess in that order is probably the, the risk for transitioning as far as, you know, grass and baleage, uh, probably the least transition or, or next to no transition, should I say. Um, kale being a little bit probably more safer. Um, and then obviously the fodder beat one being a little bit more um, risky. And I guess just getting used to, you know, heifers, particularly heifers, you know, getting used to e- eating a bulb crop and, and just figuring out something new. Um, you just have to take your time and, and take it slow and steady and, and obviously keep that high fibre component up to them to start with until they're, um, you know, until you until you see them transition properly and actually no animal health or sort of ill effects, um, particularly on that fodder beat one. Um, so, yeah, look, again, it's, it's stockmanship skills that we're doing and we know um, it's just a matter of doing it right um, and taking the time rather than sort of, yeah, forcing the matter. And this is where supplement comes into it in the way of baleage or roughage or whatever you've got, hay, etc., just to help line the gut, fill the gut up when you're going through the transition period because it's something that you can't really underestimate, can it? Yeah, that's right. And I think the key thing there is that effective fibre source because obviously that's what's causing rumination um, and, yeah, making sure that they are sort of chewing the cud and, um, yeah, keeping keeping sort of healthy and keeping that scratch factor um, in the diet. And, and I guess in some ways that's sort of been the, the constant feed or the feed that perhaps they're used to going into that, you know, especially if it's a crop change um, in diet, then um, that's sort of more pasture or more sort of roughage base, um, you know, potentially what they've been on um, before being introduced to a crop. Um, and again, you know what it's like, heifers, if they haven't seen it, you know, before then, you know, there's sort of that curiosity or um, interest factor that's just going to take them, you know, a little while to settle in and, and get used to um, that new diet and, and that new routine. Just finally, Nathan, um, how's the vibe out there anyway when you're talking to farmers, etc.? It's been a year of unknowns, but we're gradually getting through it, slowly but surely. How's the feeling when you're talking to cockies? Yeah, look, I mean, it's just probably different across the region, depending on, you know, like, you know, you're shying away from the fact that, you know, that autumn, sort of late summer, autumn period has been really challenging for, you know, large pockets of the province, and, and I guess... Yeah, with some of this weather that we're having, particularly this week, um, you yeah, know, maybe just a bit of a chance for a little bit, you know, more 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 growth to come in, or sort of that recovering phase. But um, yeah, look, I think we're still going to have to be pretty realistic around feed budgets and um, you know what options are in front of us, and um, you know, make the most of this weather that we've got, but equally be you know be realistic as well with feed budgets, and particularly winter around the corner. Uh, we'll take the sunshine and the nice warm days while we've got it. That's for sure. Nathan Nelson from Dairy NZ, thanks for your time once again on the muster. Thanks, Andy. Good to chat.
Nathan Nelson, Derry and Zed there regarding heifers as you go into the winter months. Obviously, everybody, you know, you know what you're doing when you're going into winter feeding, winter transitioning, etc. But just a couple of fresher pointers that Nathan's gone through there, which are highly relevant, especially as we go into transitioning onto winter crops. Up next on the Muster Thursday afternoon, Leanne Woodhead from Beef and Lamb New Zealand in their slot this afternoon.